Welcome to the Talk Angry Podcast, your destination for Shocker basketball. Join us every episode from the Forge Audio Production Studio as we dive into game recaps, analysis, and interviews throughout the 2018-2019 basketball season. And now, here are your hosts, Dustin Kuhn and Taylor Eldridge. Welcome to a Thanksgiving edition of Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. On this week's show, we will recap the Charleston Classic. We'll get Taylor's thoughts on the trip along with Bob Hole from Shocker Radio. We'll also preview this Sunday's matchup with the Rice Owls, have our buy or sell segment, and we might even talk a little turkey. Great show coming up for you right after this. The Talk Angry Podcast is brought to you by Forge Audio Productions. For all your audio and music production needs, Forge Audio is ready to deliver the highest quality production that serves the artist. To receive a free consultation or quote from Brian, visit www.forgeaudioprod.com. That's www.forgeaudioprod.com. Or follow the studio on Facebook or Instagram. And now back to the show. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. Disappointing 1-2 and two record for the Shockers in Charleston this week, but I think a lot of fans and folks who follow the team came away with a sense of optimism that this team's going to be a tough out no matter who they play this year. You saw three competitive games. You said on last week's show that first game was so crucial uh, to get that first win and have an opportunity to play Purdue in the second game on Friday. Uh, a struggle offensively for the Shockers, particularly in the second half against Davidson let's start with that game but also big picture your thoughts on the trip yeah Davidson was a disappointing game that Wichita State couldn't finish Uh, the Shockers played lights out on defense Uh, the other four games this season they've kind of struggled on defense but if you take those 40 minutes that was about as good as it gets for the Shockers as when it comes to defending and then boarding out. Uh, I think they had like 29 to 33 defensive rebounds, which is just crazy. That's a you know a percentage that that would be great for any Greg Marshall team, especially this one. Uh, you know Davidson offense is so beautiful to watch. They have you know great ball movement, great back cuts. It's so hard to defend, and Wichita State did a great job of. Of, of you know not getting beat on back cuts on forcing them to, to catch outside the three-point line so you know those those passes are harder to make and um, really impressed with Dexter Dennis and Eric Stevenson taking away uh, the NBA guy Kellen Grady he came in with a lot of hype he finishes with two points on 11 shots so uh, you know you know you, you throw all that in there you know Wichita State has to win that game <laughs> and for them not to, to, to win is just uh, pretty devastating for this team but you know, a lot to build on. Uh, like I said, the defense, I mean, they know they can play that kind of defense. But, you know, just down the stretch, you know, Wichita State just uh, they couldn't score on offense, uh, couldn't get Marcus McDuffie, you know, the, the kind of looks that he was getting early in that game. And, you know, they just uh, struggled in the last, you know, pretty much the whole second half to, to finish. You talked about the great defense. They were also better at rebounding. They were plus nine in rebounds this game, so it's still uh, a little you know, tough to chew on with this loss. John Axmel Gudmanson was the guy who went off 33 points for Davidson. A couple big shots there at the end of the game to seal it. Yeah, kind of reminiscent of uh, last year's defense where, you know, the point of attack just kind of struggled and, and couldn't 
defend the the dribble penetration penetration and you know WSU's point guards kind of struggled to to contain him and I know he was a big part of Wichita State's game plan to to contain because they knew how dangerous he was obviously Cullen Grady was kind of the scorer coming into that but you know uh, Goodmanson really uh, attacked well he got to the free throw line a lot uh, made some big big shots Uh, you have to just give credit to him he was the difference down the stretch I mean Davidson won because of him and uh, Wichita State just they didn't didn't have anyone like that to step up and uh, you know finish that that game in the last ten minutes. So um, you know a learning experience for the Shockers, uh, close game, but you know that's something where they're gonna have to finish those games eventually. I mean especially when you, you have to reward yourself if you play that good a defense and rebound that well to not come out with a win is pretty heartbreaking. It was good to see them rebound the next day as they took down App State 82-76. to Coach Marshall said after the game that App State and their coach Kevin Knox, I believe, is a, a real good team and going to surprise a, a lot of schools this year. So, uh, you know, good to see the Shockers rebound. And the real star of this game, in my opinion, was Jaime Echenique. Yeah, there's a three-minute stretch there the first half where he looked like an NBA guy. Like, he was just unreal. I mean, he was stepping out, hitting three-pointers. He was blocking shots. He was taking charges. Uh, he hit Eric Stevenson on a really nice back cut for the assist. And I talked to an NBA scout after that game. And uh, because Greg Marshall in the press conference, he said, Jaime, he made himself some money tonight. I don't know if it's going to be NBA money, but, you know, overseas, wherever he ends up playing, uh, I mean, people are going to look at that tape and they're going to fall in love with his game. So uh, I just saw an NBA scout passing uh, and I asked him about him and he's like, yeah, I had to, I had to look him up on the roster just to, to make sure who he was. And uh, he, he definitely caught some attention uh, this week in Charleston. And, you know, obviously he's a far from a finished product. I mean, he's still pretty raw uh, just now. I mean, he's still learning how to play the game. So. Um, but you love the upside. You love, I mean, his three-point stroke. Now it's just kind of, you know, uh, harnessing it in and making sure he's just taking those wide-open looks and not trying to force it like he did kind of later in the week. But, you know, he flashed his potential there for sure. I mean, he showed that he can, you know, step out and make a three. Uh, he can, you know, defend the rim, protect the rim, and, you know, make some plays, uh, you know, running that pivot kind of, you know, the, the top of the key and, uh, he, sh- he showed a lot of potential, and Wichita State has been very, very good when he and Morris Udeze are, are on the floor. Marcus McDuffie had the big number with 24 points, scored a lot of those in the second half. But I want to give a shout-out to the freshman, Jamarius Burton. He adds 14 points in this game and really had struggled offensively in the prior, I guess that would have been four games of the season. And so good to see him break out a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. He had a couple big buckets late, and he's so good at using that that big body around the rim to you know kind of bully his way down there and get good looks. And uh, he scored a pretty big basket late when Appalachian State was still you know within it's a one possession game and he was aggressive attacking in transition and I think that's the difference uh, early in the season he was kind of timid I mean he didn't want to he was still trying to fill his way and um, you know teams are going to play way off of him because his jump shot you know is still a work in progress and you know he hasn't really made very many jump shots to, to make people respect that so I mean people are going to play off of him but sometimes he's able to use that space kind of like what Ben Simmons does in the NBA and use it to build up speed and momentum going toward the rim and you know with that big old body it's, it's hard to you know it's hard to defend that and when it's going that fast so I mean sometimes you know he, he puts that shoulder down and gets called for the charge but other times you know he finishes at the rim and uh, he's really starting to show 
you know, some promise on the offensive end because he's going to have to do that uh, until he, he proves he can hurt people with a jump shot. And uh, very good creator, very good passer, uh, love his vision. So uh, six assists that game against Appalachian State. So, yeah, we really saw a step forward for Jamarius uh, in that game. The Shockers win by six, but I think people might forget this game was close, particularly with under a minute left. We saw App State come down with a chance to tie the game. Shot is missed. Eric Stevenson gets a big rebound. He's fouled, goes down, makes two free throws. So out of the entire tournament, I think you just point to this moment and say it's good just to see him finish off a game. Yeah, absolutely. The Shockers, you know, needed, especially after, uh, you know, the heartbreak against Davidson. I mean, they were uh, reeling. I mean, they they needed a win. They needed some positive momentum. And uh, for them just to finish out a game, I mean, even if it is against Appalachian State, I mean, an opponent they they probably should have taken care of um, fairly easily. I mean, even if it is under those circumstances for a young team, it's just the experience that matters. Just being able to go through these situations, these late game situations and, you know, Greg Marshall told me after this week that, you know, these guys got to get in the gym now. You know, you know, it's, maybe it's finally sunken in that, you know, in Division One. I, I mean, a lot of these games come down to one, two possessions. And I think the Shockers, that's the big takeaway from this weekend is that, you know, games are decided, you know, in crunch time and it can be just one or two possessions. And we saw that this game where, you know, Wichita State uh, finally finished down the stretch where they where they struggled against uh you know, uh, the first opponent in Davidson, they, they were able to correct that and, and get baskets down the stretch to, to win a game. We saw the Shockers play three games in four days. Now I believe they have three games in three weeks, so certainly will give them lots of time in practice. You talked about close games coming down to the end. The final game was close. Shockers just didn't have quite enough time to finish off the comeback. Alabama wins 90-86. McDuffie has 26 points, so in his final two games in Charleston, he puts up a 50-piece nugget. Um, you know, what is different about his game, particularly on offense this year? Is it just better shot selection? Do you think he's feeling more comfortable? Do they just depend on him more so he, he's naturally getting more shots? Or what, what do you think about him coming on and now averaging over 20 points per game? Yeah, I mean, his, uh, his usage rate obviously goes up just because they, they need him uh, to score for this team. But, you know, the biggest difference on question is his three-point shooting Uh Shooting from the outside, you know, he came in with, you know, a pretty good body of work uh, in three years at Wichita State. Uh, I mean, I think he was like a 33% career three-point shooter, which, you know, isn't very good. And, you know, you look at this season and his stroke just looks, he looks so much more confident. And, you know, the way he elevates, the way he releases, everything just looks smooth. And I'll have to go back and watch, you know, tape of him last year. And it just, you know, just he just looks like a different player this year. Just the way that he's shooting and, you know, obviously it's translated. He's shooting 52% on threes. You know, that's not sustainable. But, you know, I think he could, you know, seriously make a run at shooting 40% or better on threes. Just the way he's looking. He's getting great looks. Uh, you give uh, Marshall a lot of credit for, for finding, you know, unique ways to, to get him these good looks. Uh, they're using, you know, the most dangerous screener in basketball is, is a good shooter and because it's so hard to defend. And they're using McDuffie on a lot of these screens with, you know, Samaje and Jamarius and guys like that, and he's just popping out. And, uh, you know, defenses, you know, they're, they're, they haven't adjusted yet. It'll be interesting to see, you know, now that there's some film on him, now the teams are like, okay, wow, McDuffie, you know, his three-point stroke is really on. Uh, if people, you know, just don't switch and just stay on him, uh, maybe that, that opens up the game for Samaje and Jamarius driving to the hole. But, 
you know, right now Marcus is just shooting the lights off, you know, shooting the cover off the ball, uh, the catch and shoot, you know, he's shooting like 55%, something ridiculous like that. So, you know, the more he can cut out those off the dribble jumpers, the more he can just catch and shoot and not have to put it on the floor, uh, the better that, that shot percentage is going to be. And, you know, uh, so much of this year was going to come down to him and how he adjusted to that role as the go-to guy in the offense. And he's, you know, responded beautifully about as, as well as you want. And uh, the the Alabama game, you finally saw him take that step forward to, you know, putting the ball down and getting fouls. And that was a big part of his game where first four games he wasn't really getting fouls. Uh, he was attacking, but, you know, he wasn't, uh, you know, going into the defense, drawing fouls. He's kind of fading away and just, you know, throwing up kind of bad shots. And uh, this time he was able to go forward into them and draw fouls. And he shot, you know, a season high in free throws. And I think that's something to look forward to if, if people, you know, run him off the three-point line. Hey, he can still score putting it on the floor and going to the basket, too. Few interesting stats from this Alabama game. Wichita State was plus 12 in points in the paint. They were plus nine in second chance points. They were minus six in fast break points. So Alabama got out and ran just a little bit more. They had out rebounded Davidson and App State, ended up missing uh, by four against Alabama. We also saw Dexter Dennis have a career high in scoring. He scores 19 points against Alabama. Are we at you know, just each time out, we could see another newcomer come out and put up a big number, or do we think we're going to start to see more consistency on the offensive end from some of these newcomers? Yeah, I mean, honestly, just because they're freshmen, I think it's going to be up and down all year for these guys. It might just be like a, a rotating chair on, you know, which one's going to step up this game. And, you know, one of these, uh, I mean, sometimes it's Eric Stevenson with the outside shot. That game, it was uh, Dexter Dennis. I thought Ricky Torres had a, his by far his best game of the season. Uh, you really saw his ability to create and uh, his vision finally come through. And, and, you know, he had five assists, I think, and uh, finally looks at I mean, he's like one of the only point guards that looks at the roll man on the pick and roll. Uh, a lot of these guys, they, they, they look to the perimeter or look to just kind of dribble it outside. But Ricky finds he's, uh, he sees the roller, and it's been open all season, but he's the only one that to kind of create that angle and hit the roller. So that's pretty exciting to see. He just has to hit an open shot. He's got a ton of open shots this year. Hasn't made a single one uh, when it comes to jump shots. So that's the next step for him. And, you know, uh, Eric Stevenson kind of made some mistakes. And in his first career start, only played 13 minutes. And, you know, Jamarius Burton, I mean, he's got to add that jump shot to his repertoire to, to kind of take the next step. So, you know, each of these guys have a, you know, by now five games in, they have, you know, all of them have bright spots and what they've been able to do. But now, you know, like you said, I mean, three games in three weeks, a lot of practice time, a lot of time for these guys to get in the gym. You know, this is when they get better. They they know what they need to work on now. And, uh, you know, this is an exciting time, exciting three-week stretch for the Shockers, I think, uh, for them to, to, to make that jump and all those young guys to get better. We talked on last week's show about watching the rotation with them playing so many games in four days. Did you see anything as far as Marshall tightening his bench, going maybe, you know, allowing more players to play? Or what do you see overall from Coach Marshall's rotation at the moment? Yeah, the thing that surprised me was, you know, he played everyone in the Louisiana Tech game. And uh, maybe he realized after that that maybe that's part of the reason, I mean, why they weren't able to get in a rhythm. And uh, because he's trying to play 12 guys. And ever since then, he's tightened it up to about eight or nine guys. And, uh, you know, I think Wichita State's level of play has increased. And 
you know, Isaiah Porbert Chandler, Chance Moore, those guys have been kind of squeezed out. Asbjorn Meekard and, and Rod Brown, they're, they're playing spot minutes too. So, you know, those four kind of, you know, have to work their way back in the rotation. But, um, you know, ever since he squeezed it down to about eight, I think Wichita State's uh, level play has gone up. Um, so that, that's kind of interesting. I thought Marshall was going to play a lot of people this year uh, in the non-conference and, you know, throw a lot of bodies. But, you know, he's he's kind of found a rhythm, uh, found a, you know, rotation that works, and I think he's ran with it. And, uh, you know, those four guys that I mentioned, they're going to have to work their way back in into practice and, and proving to, to Marshall they deserve minutes to, to get back in the rotation. But, yeah, right now I think it's right at right at eight or nine. I, I like it there. I think that's a, a good mark for a team to to have you know uh, you know some continuity and have lineups that play longer than you know thirty forty seconds and uh, let some guys you know develop out there. So I think that's a, a good number. Last thought, just on Charleston as a city, the Charleston Classic as a whole as a tournament. Uh, outside of that chotch sports reporter who tried to come <laughs> after Coach Marshall, you know, how, how was the reception there? Yeah, it was it was great. You know, uh, Coach Marshall's obviously a South Carolina guy. He he coaches uh, College of Charleston for for a long time, so it was a little bit of a homecoming for him. And uh, I know him and his family really enjoyed being back home and uh, just taking in the sights. And I think the the whole team really enjoyed this trip. You know, they they had the that uh, really cool experience uh, in Annapolis and uh, getting to go to DC in the white house. And, you know, this was right after that. So, you know, pretty cool 10 day stretch here for the shockers, a lot of team bonding to be able to, you know, spend time away from the road and kind of grow up together. So, um, yeah, Charleston was, was really nice. You know, obviously the weather wasn't the the best, kind of rainy, uh, not, you know, everyone there that lived there says, you know, this, you guys caught it in a, in a bad week. It's usually really, really nice. And, you know, they have, uh, you know, awesome beaches there and a lot of historical stuff to do. So um, a really nice city, um, you know, not it's no Maui like it was last year. And it's not going to be, you know, Cancun uh, in 2019, but it's still a pretty cool, you know, November tournament. And uh, I thought it was very well run. And um, yeah, overall, good experience for, for Wichita State. I think we need to start a campaign, get Coon and Eldridge, but mainly Coon to Cancun in 2019. <laughs> That's, I, you would not regret it. That's uh, Yeah, and Producer Brian. Yeah, let's yeah. bring the whole show down there. We'll do a live remote from Cancun. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk to another analyst who was down with the Shockers in Charleston. That is Shocker Radio's Bob Holt. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. Our guest on the show today should be a familiar voice to Shocker fans, whether it's calling games on TV or radio. We're happy to be joined now by Shocker analyst Bob Hull. Bob, how are you today? Good, Dustin. How are you guys? We're doing well, getting ready to eat some turkey here in a few days, but wanted to start with the trip to Charleston last week. Three games in four days for the Shockers. I think going into the tournament would have loved to come out of that with at least a 2-1 and one record. little disappointing to lose two games, but I think in all three instances, they were competitive games. There were moments where you could see that, uh, you know, kind of signs of life from the Shocker team and, and making improvements from early in the season. So overall, what, what did you think from the trip sitting courtside? Well, I, I agree with you. I think they would have liked to come away with, with two wins and go two and one. 
But that didn't happen, but they were very, very close uh, to making that happen. In fact, they could have won all three. But uh, the Davidson, they just couldn't close the game out, uh, played, played pretty good uh, for most of the ball game. Their, their defense was outstanding in that game. But then just went cold down the stretch, had a bunch of empty trips, and uh, the, the kid from Davidson just, just couldn't be stopped, that uh, Goodmanson kid, and he really ended up uh, – being being the difference in the ball game, and then they bounced back the next day, and had a really good game against App State, and really got the offense going in that ball game. Shot the ball well, and defended well, and it was a really good team effort with uh, McDuffie uh, lighting things up for 24. But Echenique had the best game of his career so far. Uh, Burton scored a lot. Haynes Jones scored a lot. So. Good ball game, good team effort, and then Alabama in the Constellation Championship game or the fifth-place game, uh, we knew that was going to be a, a very, very tough game. They're, they're very athletic, long, uh, and uh, tough. And so it was it was that kind of game, just, just two really athletic, tough teams going at it head-to-head and uh, just battled right down to the very end. Uh, they – it was a game of swings where uh, they were up early. We came back. We got up, and then and then down the stretch, uh, uh, just just came up a little bit short. And they were really really good from the free throw line, hitting 31 of 33. So uh, that's just uh, unheard of, almost 95 percent. And if they'd shot a normal percentage from free throw line, uh, say 70 percent then the Shockers would have won the game by a couple of buckets, but they were just uh, they were just amazing from the free throw line. Yeah, Bob, and obviously Marcus McDuffie was excellent last week. What's impressed you the most uh, just about him, especially the last four games and in the Charleston Classic, he was named to the all-tournament team. Uh, what, what stood out to you the most about Marcus? Well, obviously, the first thing that hits you is, is his offense. He's really, really shooting the ball so well right now. You know, in that first ball game against Louisiana Tech, he couldn't he couldn't hit a shot, and uh, and then he started off the second game uh, against Providence in Annapolis and missed his first short four shots in that game. Uh, and he, he seemed to be pressing and trying too hard, but he got it going in that Providence game and ended up having having a great ball game there uh, helped the shockers win that one and then carried that right over into the charleston classic he was really good offensively in all three games uh did a good job of uh hitting open shots uh took the ball to the basket some uh but i think the thing that most impressed me was his leadership i mean he and samaje were more vocal than I've ever seen them before. And they were grabbing guys and encouraging guys and getting on guys and and really trying to lead the team. So that's the thing that's going to stand out in my mind with uh, Marcus and the difference now than, than uh, in years past. One of the biggest signs of optimism for this season has been seeing the continued development of the freshmen and really all of the newcomers to this team in general. If you had to pick out maybe just one or two that have impressed you uh, through these first five games of the season, who who would those players be? Well, I think you've got to go with Burton and uh, Dennis. Uh, although, you know, Eric Stevenson had a really good ball game 
against La Tech in, in a losing effort, but uh, I think he had uh, oh, 15 or 16 points in that game uh, and hit four out of six threes. But, but then since then, uh, he's had trouble knocking down those open shots. But, but uh, Jamarius Burton has been doing a great job playing a lot of minutes, almost uh, 30 minutes a game. Uh, playing some off guard, playing some point guard, playing some small forward, and he's he's doing good things defensively, rebounding. Um, hasn't shot the outside shot that well, but he's pretty good at creating uh, easy buckets for himself, uh, driving to the basket and driving in addition. So he's been, uh, I think, further along than most of the other freshmen. And then uh, Dexter Dennis, especially in, in the last ball game, he played very well defensively. You know, in the Davidson game had to guard a really good player in that game. And then also in the App State game, he was on Shabazz and did a great job on him. But then in this last ball game against Alabama, uh, he started scoring and uh, really played well in that game. I'm trying to look at his stats here. 19 points, 7 out of 9 from the floor. Uh, so it, it's nice to see uh, Dexter Dennis uh starting to get it done offensively. So I'd say those two guys are, uh, would be the two that stand out in my mind. Yeah, and it seems like this team can, you know, it, it can get stops or it can, you know, shoot really well or play a really good offensive game. But, you know, they're still kind of looking for the putting it all together. And how do you feel like uh, the Charleston, you know, you saw, you know, a couple 20-minute halves, but do you feel like they, they took a step in the right direction in Charleston as far as just, you know, putting two two halves together? Oh, major, major steps in the right direction. Uh, yeah, they, they were kind of up and down in those first couple of ball games, and then against uh, Davidson, just couldn't get anything going offensively, couldn't hit any shots. But their defense, uh, you know, their defense was was not very good in the in the La Tech game, and it wasn't very good in the Providence game until they went to that two three zone, and that two three zone was very uh, uh, very effective for them. But then I think in the three games in Charleston, their man defense definitely took some major strides forward, and you're starting to see shocker style of basketball with uh, tough man-to-man defense, uh, guys helping each other, drawing charges, blocking shots, uh, controlling the boards. So I I think when Greg Marshall looks at these videos, uh, he's going to be disappointed that they didn't win another game or two, but I think he's going to definitely see that the defense – is way ahead of was where it was before Charleston. Bob, some of our listeners might not know you have a background in college basketball coaching as well. The Shockers this year have struggled a little bit from the free throw line. As a coach, uh, is it anything you can do outside just telling the guys to get in the gym and get more shots up? Well, they work on it every day in practice, and and you know they shoot uh, they'll shoot ten or twenty at a time. And then they'll shoot two at a time, and they'll take breaks. They'll take water breaks during the practice and then shoot during the water breaks so that you're tired when you shoot your free throws in practice because that's, you're going to be tired during a ball game. And then they'll even line them all up and have guys shoot, and if he makes two, the team doesn't have to run. If he misses one, they got to do four lengths. If they misses two, they got to do eight lengths, you know, those types of things where there's more pressure you know, on the guy, uh, kind of simulate a game situation. So, you know, you do all of that, and then if guys aren't making them, then, yeah, you want them to get in the gym in the mornings, get in the gym in the evenings whenever they have spare time and, and get more shots up and get their confidence because 
these guys are good shooters. I mean, uh, they wouldn't have recruited them if they weren't. Uh, so uh, they, they're just not shooting them as well. Although in the last ball game, they did do a pretty good job. They had uh, 22 of 27 from the line, 82%. And that that's really, really good. So at least in that last game against Alabama, they shot them well. Yeah, Bob, and we should uh, find out a decision either way on Teddy Allen sometime this week. How much of a difference do you think he would make for these Shockers, uh, especially just you know in those just creating offense? I think that would take some of the burden off you know players like Samaje Hinge Jones and just improve you know the quality all the way around. How, how much of a you know a boost would Teddy Allen give this team if the NCAA does allow him to play? Well, I think you hit on it. I think I think he would really help him uh, offensively because he's a shot maker. He's one of those guys that can get his shot off against just about anybody, and he's one of those guys that can make difficult shots. You know, he'll shoot a fadeaway uh, jumper from a step behind the three, and you think it's a bad shot, and then he'll make it. You know, and he usually does it to win uh, a competition in practice. He's very, very, very competitive. He hates to lose. Very vocal. Uh, likes to lead. So I think he's going to help the team in a number of different ways. If he does get to play, he'll help it from a leadership standpoint. He'll help it, help him offensively, and he'll take some pressure off Marcus and Samaje. And uh, I think it'll be that third guy, fourth guy you got to worry about uh, defensively if you're the other team. And he's an experienced guy. I mean, he, he played a lot for West Virginia last year under Bob Huggins. So He's going to add another experienced guy, and, and they sure need that because they got so many young guys. Last question for you, Bob. We certainly appreciate you taking the time here. We saw UConn knock off Syracuse at the end of last week. Uh, Memphis, it was just announced today, signed the number one recruit for 2019. You have Wichita State, a very young team that we, as we look towards the future, think will be good here over these next few years. Cincinnati, of course, is always a uh, a good adversary. So how excited are you for the future of the AAC as a conference overall as we see some of these uh, traditional basketball schools in, in UConn and Memphis maybe get back to their winning ways and also just the strength of, of the overall teams in the conference? Uh, I think it's a it's a really strong league. Uh, we saw that last year with uh, Houston, Cincinnati, and Wichita State all all going to the NCAA tournament, and uh, and all should have won ball games in that in that first and second round. So, uh, and now you see Central Florida; they're healthy after being injured last year. They're going to be one of the top teams in the league this year. Uh, Temple will be good again. They've got a lot of talent, and now now Memphis with uh, Penny Hardaway signing the kids that he's signing, uh, they're, they're going to be right there. They're going to be right there. I don't know if they'll be there this year, but, but next year when these guys get seasoned a little bit. So I think the league is very strong. Uh, looks like Connecticut uh, is much improved from last year. Uh, so uh, I, I think, you know, you got to be kind of careful what you wish for. You know, everybody wanted to get into this new league, but now that we're in it, uh, it's not like the Missouri Valley where you can go and sometimes have a bad performance and get away with it and win on the road. In this league, uh, you better bring it every night, and you better play well if you want to win a road game, and you better play well if you want to win a home game. Uh, so it's going to be very competitive this year. But I think uh, I think the Shockers have the right kind of talent to compete, and uh, they signed three good kids here uh, last week that, that I think will even add to this group that they have this year. I know the game on Sunday is on your view 22. Are you going to be calling the game? 
Shane Dennis and I will call the game. It's a 2 o'clock game against the Rice Owls. Well, there you go. You can listen to Bob's call on Sunday at 2 p.m. on Your View Kansas 22. You can also listen to him call away games with Mike Kennedy on 103.7 KEYN. Thanks, as always, for your time, Bob. Nice talking with you guys. Enjoyed it. All right, we'll move now into our preview of Sunday's matchup with the Rice Owls. The game tips at 2 p.m. and, as we mentioned, will be broadcast on Your View Kansas 22. The Owls come in led by head coach Scott Perra. He's in his second season. They were picked to finish 13th out of 14 teams in Conference USA, and their current Ken Palm ranking is 276. Taylor, to put it bluntly, this should be the first time the Shockers have a blowout win, and if not, we're going to be concerned on the show next week. This is a game the Shockers need to win. Yeah, this is a, a, a kind of a test case to see. You know, so far, Wichita State's kind of played up and played down to the competition. I um, mean, all the competition has been, you know, fairly good up until this point. So um, this will be kind of the test case to see if they can rise above that competition. And, uh, you know, like, like you said, I mean, this is a bye game. This is a game that they need to take care of. Uh, you know, Rice, you know, they got handled by, uh, you know, a comparable team. Uh, if you look at in the AAC, uh, they played Houston not too long ago. Uh, the Cougars were able to, you know, put them down by 20 for most of that game. And, and uh, they ended up only winning by 11, but uh, Rice kind of rallied late. But, you know, Houston was able to take care of them no problem. So, you know, Wichita State, you know, if they want to get to that level, this is a game they should probably win by double digits. Rice comes in at 3-2 and two on the year. You mentioned that loss to Houston. They're also going to play at BYU on Wednesday prior to coming to Wichita. As a team, they average 79.8 points per game and allow 73.6. They shoot at 48% from the field, but only 37% from three and 62% from the free throw line. Now, I hate to bring up this stat, but Wichita State has lost to its last two Conference USA opponents in a row. Obviously, Marshall in the NCAA tournament last year and Louisiana Tech to start the season so it'd be nice to write that stat as well it's the kusa curse but yeah you're right they've uh, they've struggled and you know rice you know they're 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 interesting uh this is a team that you know isn't very good but uh they shoot a ton of threes and so far they're shooting you know really well from the three-point line you know they're making 40 percent uh, you're taking a ton of threes per game, and, you know, anytime you play a team like that, uh, it makes you a little nervous because, you know, what if they catch, uh, you know, what if they start out on fire, you know, make five or six threes uh, to start the game, kind of like what Alabama did. You know, Alabama wasn't a very good three-point shooting team, but, you know, they made a lot of threes early in that game and uh, were able to build that lead that, that let them win. So, you know, you don't want to see a situation like that. So this is really going to test, you know, Wichita State's perimeter defenders, you know, stick on those guys. Don't You can't ball watch. You can't, you know, turn, turn your head and, and look at a, a guy going to the rim because he's probably going to kick it out to the three-point line, and, and you, you don't want to give up wide-open catch-and-shoot threes. So that's going to be the challenge this game. Uh, so that's something fun to kind of watch, you know, the game within the game, see if Wichita State can shut that down for Rice. Rice's leading scorer is 6'2 junior guard Aiko Adams. He's currently scoring 14.8 points per game. You know, we don't do this anymore because we don't have the final four quickies. If you had to make a prediction, who you got? I'll take Wichita State. I think, uh, you know, kind of like what Bob said, I mean, Wichita State's quality really improved, I thought, in Charleston. Uh, you know, obviously you want a better than a 1-2 and two record, but I think Wichita State took a step forward 
and just playing playing better basketball. And you know, with a week of practice, uh, Coach Marshall, you gotta give him you know the benefit benefit of the doubt here. So I'll go with the Shockers. I think the offense and the defense uh, uh, play a pretty good game. So I'm gonna go with Shockers, 81 to 64. Shockers played a little tentative in their first home game against Louisiana Tech. Your hope is that these freshmen and, and the newcomers all together will now be used to playing in front of that large Coke Arena crowd. I also think the Shockers win by, you know, 15 to 17 points. I will say 79 to 62. Let's get to a few other news quick here and notes before we do buy or sell. It was reported on your Twitter account today that Wichita State will play in the 2019 Cancun Classic next year. A couple old friend alerts here. We have Northern Iowa from the Missouri Valley, Frank Martin and his South Carolina Gamecocks, and West Virginia and Teddy Allen's former team, the Mountaineers. What do you think about that lineup? Yeah, that's uh, that's a matchup that's uh, would be very very interesting next year. You know, Teddy Allen either way is going to be playing next year, so they get a chance against uh, Teddy Bear and uh, West Virginia would be pretty fun to watch. Uh, even though if you you read that excellent article by C.J. Moore in the Athletic, sounds like no ill will on uh, Teddy Allen's part. Uh, toward West Virginia. He didn't have a problem with them. He just needed to be closer to that support system uh, back in the Omaha area. So, um, you know, not as much of a rivalry, but, you know, it still would be fun to see him play against his former team. Early signing period started last week, and we saw three Shockers join the class of 2019. I think the biggest advantage of the Shockers' move to the American Athletic Conference has been the upgrade in the quality of recruit that they're bringing into the program, and your hope that that's only going to continue to kind of snowball and and, and continue for many years here. Um, But as far as the three guys that will be donning the black and gold next year, uh, you had a good article, Kansas.com, GoShockers.com, had some information on each with some quotes from coach Marshall but your thoughts on the three newcomers yeah you know Wichita State you know the recruiting has stepped up and it has to you know move into this new conference uh, especially with you know Dan Hurley at UConn and Penny Hardaway at Memphis both kind of reviving those programs immediately you know you're, you're competing against Houston and Cincinnati and SMU and, and teams like that so this is a pretty stacked AAC future is very very brave for the conference so you know the Shockers this is a necessity they had to step up the recruiting and uh, you know after taking a huge class this year uh, I thought Greg Marshall did a very well uh, to follow it up with a, a great class uh, in its own right you know uh, he signs his first four-star top 150 guy um, you know second highest recruit ever in Tyson ATN uh, big time combo guard score out of New Jersey uh, you know you see Wichita State in those late shot clock situations kind of struggle to create shots. And, you know, this is a guy that can get his own uh, shot and really create for himself. So he could be a future playmaker for the Shockers. And then uh, Noah Fernandez, a six-foot guard, uh, honestly probably 5'11", pretty kind of undersized. But, you know, he's got a big heart. And, you know, everyone raves about this kid's competitiveness. And that's kind of the constant theme in all three of these guys. All three of them have a, you know, a competitive streak that, you know, uh, Marshall loves uh, the competitive uh, side of them. And, you know, Fernandez, uh, past first point guard, uh, he'll, he'll be someone that can create. And, you know, maybe, uh, you know, Jamarius Burton is, is, is good at the point guard, but probably is better served as like a secondary creator, secondary playmaker. And so that can take him off the ball and, and really make Wichita State's offense pretty dangerous. So um, look for Fernandez to, to make an impact next year as well. And then uh, the third person, DeAntoni Gordon, 
who uh, producer Brian said has been committed to Wichita State for seven years, so that's about accurate. Um, Don't quote me on that. (laughs) Finally... Finally coming to Wichita, uh, really nice prospect, uh, you know, fringe top 150 guy, uh, really worked on his shot. You know, before he was kind of like the Morris Udeze, uh, just effective around the basket, but now he's, he's really worked on his outside shot. Uh, might be able to play, you know, some, some three minutes, uh, um, you know, three and four. So uh, kind of an ideal, you know, small ball four. Um, played on a big-time traveling team this summer, so he looked really nice there. And uh, he should be able to add some some much-needed depth at, at the post position, you know, especially with McDuffie gone after this year. All right, buy or sell time. Producer Brian, take us over. All right, so Wichita State this year has had some inconsistent shooting from the perimeter. Does Wichita State only have one reliable outside shooter in Marcus McDuffie? I will sell that. I think uh, Wichita State has at least at least two. I think uh, McDuffie, like you said, is obviously one. Uh, Dexter Dennis has shot the ball really well um, to start the season as well. He's made six of 12 threes. Um, you know, Eric Stevenson's three-point percentage has really dropped. He had a one bad game that kind of tanked it, but I think uh, he will be up there in Samaje's uh, threes. You know, I think his, his looks uh, just need to be better. But I think those four can shoot above 35% this year. Just to be different, I'm going to buy that at this current time. So right now, McDuffie has been the only one to show him the ability to score the basketball consistently from deep. Uh, you know, I would have said maybe a week ago Stevenson, but he really struggled in Charleston. Ricky Torres certainly doesn't have the three-point shot. Burton has struggled a little bit. Uh, so I, I think we'll continue to see flashes and we'll continue to get better. And hopefully by the end of the year, it's a different story. But right now, I'll buy that. So we saw a lot of growth over this past weekend looking at the development of the team. Certainly a lot more competitive, a lot more energy. So based on that, is this the turning point and the Shockers in five or more games the rest of the way? I'm going to buy that. I think their most difficult games are going to be at VCU and then the game against Oklahoma. Uh, Baylor coming to Coke Arena, I could see just like uh, I'm a big Chiefs fan, so I always say there's a little Arrowhead primetime magic, and when you play a night game against the Chiefs at Arrowhead, it's tough to win. A Big 12 team coming to Coke Arena, no matter what, the record of Wichita State is a big deal. I think Coke Arena will be electric for that game. I think the Shockers come away with a win. I'm counting uh, Rice, Oral Roberts, and Jacksonville State all as W's as well. I think they beat Southern Miss at Interest Bank Arena, so that would get me to five. Uh, And then with the game in against OU and then at VCU, those are top toss-ups in my opinion. So I, I think we can get uh, to that point, even with the inconsistencies we've seen thus far. Yeah, don't sleep on Southern Miss though. Um, you know they've they've really impressed uh, early in this season, so that could be a difficult matchup for Wichita State. I'm gonna buy that. Um, I think they do go five and two. Anything less than five and two would be a disappointment uh, at this point. Um, you know Baylor at home is gonna be the swing game. Uh, and then, uh, like Dustin men- mentioned, uh, at VCU, that's another game that, that could be kind of a toss-up. You know, I think a lot of people aren't expecting them to go into Oklahoma City and beat OU. So, you know, taking care of business at home is going to be key for Wichita State. You know, they shouldn't have any problems with Oral Roberts. Um, you know, Jacksonville State is a little interesting. Uh, they had some hype coming into the year, but, you know, really struggled early on. So uh, if they can take care of business at Coke Arena and then get that Southern Miss game at interest, you know, they should uh, win at least five. 
All right, so we discussed it a little bit earlier in our interview with Bob, but uh, Memphis getting the number one recruit uh, to commit to them over Kentucky. Connecticut's getting more success under Hurley. So we're starting to see this development. And they, those were kind of the teams that you're hoping take the step forward to make the conference stronger. But is this success what's going to help WSU in the long run, or do they get lost in the mix? I'm going to uh, buy it. I think it helps them as far as NCAA seeding. I think uh, if you're looking at which, I'll say, winning the conference like they did in the Missouri Valley, definitely sell that. Um, but, you know, uh, overall, the American is training upward. You know, Memphis is, is on the map. Uh, Penny Hardaway has, you know, really taken, you know, recruiting by surprise. Beat out uh, Kentucky for that number one guy. Today. Yeah, he, he, that's the second time he's beat out Kyle for a recruit. So um, that's that's big time for Penny. And, you know, the, the thing is that all these guys are Memphis guys. So we're going to have to see if he can, one, coach, and two, can he get someone from not, not from Memphis. But, you know, with the talent that's in Memphis, you know, he might not need Just to. Just keep recruiting Memphis. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so um, he's, I mean, it will be really interesting to see how they do next year you know they already got you know a lot of talent this year so they're going to be you know some a team to watch but you know I think Wichita State I mean this is looking like a four maybe five bit league uh, in the future just because of the strength at the top uh, kind of like what I, I said before you know Cincinnati and Houston are kind of mainstays up there then you look at UConn and Memphis kind of being back uh, to what they what they used to be and then you know Central Florida has been nice and, and, and Temple we'll see uh, if they can keep it going after um, Shiz Alston Jr. looks good again this year yeah after uh, Coach Dumphy steps down and you know uh, Frank Haith at Tulsa I mean you can never uh, count them out and SMU yeah you know uh, you know even Dooley at uh, East Carolina he's a really good coach so I uh, give him some time we'll see if East Carolina can kind of come up into the middle but you know, I think AAC is going to be a five-bid uh, conference uh, in the very near future, so I'm going to buy that for helping Wichita State seeding uh, in the NCAA tournament. I should be your sidekick, and you know, just pop in with little facts uh, throughout <laughs> the way here. I'm also going to buy it. I think as long as Coach Marshall is the coach at Wichita State, and even beyond that, um, just because of, and I've already touched on this a little bit, the quality of recruit that they're getting. And I also, before we judge Coach Marshall and his ability to coach within the AAC, I think we should give him a full recruiting class. You know, you talk about coaches when they take over a program wanting to give them at least one full uh, recruiting uh, four-year period to bring in guys. And, and so I think we give them three or four years to get these higher quality athletes in there. And that's not a shot against anyone in the past, just through the recruiting services and different things like that, just getting these higher rated guys. I, I think uh, that's only going to lead to more success for Wichita State. All right, finally, I want to know, buy or sell, Teddy Allen gets his waiver with handwritten condolences from the NCAA for taking so long. I'm going to sell it. I'm still, I guess I'm just being negative and, and there's monsters around every corner, but this has taken for forever for starters. And yes, you know, West Virginia has finally uh, turned in their answers and everything, and hopefully we get an answer soon. But, uh, you know, I'm hoping so, but I don't want to get too far into the season either and have them only play you know, 60% of the games or 50% of the games here. So, you know, we, we either need to get a decision soon or move it down the road. Uh, I'm going to buy it. I think that with NCAA, some of the waivers that they've granted, I think Teddy Allen has as good of a case as any. 
Um, you know, you, you can read the story that I did on Kansas.com, talking to the the people from Boys Town. Like I said, C.J. Moore did a, a wonderful piece on the athletic, uh, kind of a deeper dive on Teddy's uh, issues and why he needs to be closer to home. And uh, you can just read that story and just tell that you know he this wasn't a basketball related issue. I mean, this is something that he needed for his mental health and. Um, you know, if the NCAA truly is looking out for, you know, the best of their student athletes, I think they need to let, you know, Teddy Allen play basketball. And, uh, you know, either way, it's been so much fun to just watch him on the bench, just the way he interacts and, you know, how active he is in games. You know, he's chatting refs up before games. You know, he's talking to uh, everyone. He's he's hyping. He's kind of the hype man on the, the end of the bench doing a lot of dance and um, yeah, if you ever get a chance uh, during the game, he's al- he always sits at the end of the bench, you know, on the baseline. Just watch his reactions. Uh, they crack me up. And uh, he had a, a funny picture he posted on his Twitter of him in, in one of his stances. Yeah, his power stance uh, of, uh, you know, he, he does that constantly. And it's uh, really cool to see someone that's, you know, not able to, to play, affect the games, uh, be that involved and be, you know, that, uh, you know, it would be easy for him to kind of be sulking, kind of be like, why is it taking so long? But he's uh, really stepped it up. And, you know, he is the leader on this team, you know, even though he's not playing, you know, his word counts, his word matters. And, you know, people look to him at huddles and uh, it's been pretty cool to see that. So um, I'm going to buy it. I think that he has as good, good of case as anybody. And uh, even if it doesn't work out here soon, I think they they can appeal. And I think ultimately Teddy Allen will play basketball this year. But does he get handwritten condolences from the NCAA? I don't think that's going to (laughs) happen. NCAA apologizes to no one. (laughs) It's Thanksgiving here in a couple days. Let's go around the room. What is, let's start with you. What is Taylor Eldridge's favorite Thanksgiving side dish? Well, we did this last year and you guys laughed at me, but I'm still going to go with the bread, the rolls, I, I it's a it's a fan favorite for me, and uh, I'll never is it apologize like the, for that. The Hawaiian rolls or what? Any what kind of rolls? This is a redux. Roll. My no. mom's my mom makes some really really nice rolls. I'm, so. I'm calling an audible. Since we did uh, side dish, what's your favorite Thanksgiving dessert? You got to pick one. Ooh, my mom makes this. Uh, it's called tiger butter, and it's kind of like a, a chocolate and peanut butter mix, and it's basically like, like tiger blood. Tiger blood, yeah. So I I eat you know about a pound of that about every every Thanksgiving. So very good. Would recommend. Nice. I like cherry cheesecake. You know, uh, everyone wants to go pumpkin pie. How about a nice cherry cheesecake? What we do is uh, we get uh, peanut brittle. My dad has a recipe from our family, so it's like a candy with peanuts inside of it. It's like a hard candy, and it's uh, yeah. We got some tiger butter and we got some uh, some brittle and all, all sorts of stuff. Here, so, all right. Well, we wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. We'll be back with you next week to preview the big matchup at home against Baylor. That is a 7 p.m. start on a Saturday night. So, as I've always said for these games in the past, I think Shocker Nation will be well lubricated and ready to cheer on the team. Thanks again for listening. Have a great Thanksgiving and a great week. We'll be back with you. Greatest five stars. 